Hello, this is A.R. Bernard, and welcome to my podcast. My objective, it's simple, to create a platform where you can be educated, informed, and inspired as you navigate the intersection of faith and culture. If you have no faith, maybe you'll find it here. So, thanks for tuning in. So let me, let me start with, with this question. How many, how many of you in here are going to heaven? Just raise your hand if you're going to heaven. All right, raise your hand if you're going to heaven. If, you're not, if, if your hand is down, then I'll assume that you're not going. All right. oh, don't, don't, you look worried. I'm not getting up a group to go now. Don't worry, don't worry, worry. But how many of you are going to heaven? Raise your hand high. I mean, this is halfway there, okay? How many are going all the way? All right, good, good, excellent. All right, all right. Now, now that we've gotten your eternal future out of the way, let's talk about life on earth. Is that okay? Yeah, I want to just make sure the eternal future is in place first, because if there was someone in here who wasn't going, did anyone not raise their hand? Anyone not going? Anyone not sure? We want to deal with you first. All right, good. So that's good. So now we can talk about navigating life on here, on earth, because when you get to heaven, how many know you don't have to pray through? You're already through. All right. So all of the graces of God, uh, all of the power of God, all of the, the dispenses of God's gifts and access, etc., they no longer apply once we get into his presence, right? And that's for us. That's what life after death is all about. And death is sleep for us, really. Um, the body goes to sleep, but we continue as a being, as a person into another dimension of existence in the presence of God. And we experience that glory until such time that he will join us again with this body, but it won't be in the same condition. How many are happy about that? Yes. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I can use a new condition uh, for this physical body. Some of you all got it all together. Some of us have to watch what we eat. So um, we look forward to that. And Jesus' resurrected body was indeed uh, a sort of, not even a foreshadowing, but a model of what we can expect in the future. And that's exciting. But in the meantime, we have to navigate life here on earth. And for the most part, CCC is a teaching ministry about how to navigate life here on earth. It's about seeing life from God's perspective. How many have heard of the word, word worldview? Amen. Worldview. Yeah, it's, if we just break it down that simply, it's how you view the world. But your worldview is, comes from a narrative that you have embraced that informs your beliefs, your assumptions, and your choices. This is a good place to take notes. Your worldview, all right, is based on some narrative that you have embraced. And that narrative now informs your beliefs, about life, about people, about yourself, about things. It also informs your assumptions. And how many know we, we assume things? Yeah, we assume things. And it also informs your choices, the choices that you make in life. God in his brilliance, because we are finite and he is infinite, he, right? In his brilliance, he gave us a very simple narrative found in the 
Bible. And the reason he made it that simple and yet deeply profound, because since the scripture has been given, it's been preached for thousands of years, whether Old Testament and then adding the New Testament, it has been preached for thousands of years. And we continue to glean new thoughts, new insights, new ideas from the scripture. Because the word of God is inexhaustible. No matter how many times you go back to it, there is something new. Because we see it from a new level of life, new level of experience, a new level of knowledge and authority, wisdom and understanding, a new level of insight. So we can go back to the same verse. How many of you have ever gone back to the same verse and see it in new light? experience it differently. And so it is not just with scripture, so it is with life. We experience it differently as we move from one level to another. Essentially, God has called us to learn, grow, and lead. You need to write that down. God has called us. To, see, when the professor tells you to write it down, it's because that's what's going to be on the test. So you can smile at me all you want. That's what's going to be on the test, right? He wants us to learn, grow, and lead. Why we're teaching ministry? Because too often and for too long, people are taught to hear sermons, but not how to learn truth. Sermons inspire you, but they don't transform you. Only truth transforms you. And the Bible is called the word of truth. Jesus in John 17 said, sanctify them, set them apart, give them distinction, distinguish them from the rest of the world through your word, your truth. Your word is truth. So we study the word of God because the study of the word actually sets us apart from the rest of the world. Why? Because it influences the way we think. It informs our beliefs, our assumptions, and our choices. It informs our beliefs, our assumptions, and our choices. How many have ever felt guilty about doing something wrong? You felt guilty? All right, that's important. That means you're alive. Um, if you don't feel guilty, then something's wrong. Because guilt is a mechanism that God has built into our conscience. But how do we judge what's right and what's wrong? Now, that comes from the narrative. The narrative is the Bible. A simple story like Adam and Eve, and yet we can glean more and more information about human beings, what it is to be human, what it is to live in this world, what it is to believe in God, all of that from a very simple and powerful story. And you know why God kept it simple? The reason why society keeps it simple. How many ever read the books in school called Dick and Jane. How many ever heard of Dick and Jane? How many heard of Spot? Is that still in there or did they remove that? It's been a minute. How could they remove Dick and Jane? How could they remove Spot? How about Spot? You heard about Spot? Okay, I don't, I, you know, that's, that's, that was a dog, by the way. It was a dog, by the way. But I refer to those, dating myself, as simple stories. How many, how many have heard of, well, he's in trouble, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, they've done, they've done reevaluated Dr. Seuss and found him a problem. Yeah, we're reevaluating a lot of things that, you know, we understood what they meant and the purpose, and now we're 
reevaluating them in extremes. I say that to say that when we were children, we understood as a child. We thought like a child, right? And we spoke, we articulated like a child. Why? Because we were children. Well, guess what? To God, we're children. So he uses simple yet profound means of communicating truth for us to aid us as we learn, grow, and lead. What has God called us to do? Learn, grow, and lead. I'm going to say it again. What has God called us to do? Learn, grow, and lead. And you can't grow unless you learn. You can't grow unless you learn. Right? And you can't lead unless you grow. When we have immature, insecure people in leadership, it's a problem. It's a problem. When we have incompetent people in leadership, it's a problem. Amen? Amen. So we can't lead unless we grow. And leaders should continue to grow. Growth is a lifelong process, but you can't grow unless you learn. So learning is foundational. Learning is critical. And what you learn is important. What's informing your growth? What are you growing from? You can't live off of strawberry shortcake. Can't live off of dessert, right? You have to have a balanced diet. You have to have the right nutrients and minerals, etc. And the Word of God provides everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness or godlikeness. So God has called us to what? That is the call upon our lives. That he, what he wants for us. And we're always learning. We're always growing. And we should always understand that we're all called to be leaders. How many understand everybody's called to be a leader? Absolutely. The moment you learn and grow, it puts you in a position to lead. The moment you learn and grow, it puts you in a position to lead. Because someone needs what you've learned. So that they can in turn grow. So we're all connected all connected together. In the process of learning, growing, and leading, God has also given us stewardship responsibilities. Four stewardship responsibilities. So we are stewards of everything, essentially, but possessors of nothing. How many, how many realize you don't see a Hertz truck behind, I mean, yeah, Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. <laughs> you don't see a U-Haul Try that one instead. You don't see a U-Haul following a Hertz at a funeral as though they can take stuff with them. How many know you come into the world without anything? And when you leave, you can't take it with you. Yeah, some have tried. And if you, if you look back in ancient world, in, in certain cultures, Mesopotamia, Egyptian culture, Roman culture, Grecian culture, Babylonian culture, etc. guess what? They tried to take it with them. So when they investigate these tombs, especially the pyramids, all right, what did they find? They find not only the pharaoh or king that died, they found a lot of material wealth surrounding them because they tried to take it with them. And let me tell you something. In those days, if you were a servant of a pharaoh, all right, when the pharaoh died, 
you died. Seriously. You were killed because the Pharaoh needed servants in the next life. And they wanted servants that they were familiar with. Because you never know what you get when you go to the next life. Amen? I, I can't get a half an amen from somebody here. But this is true. It sounds funny, but it is true. This, is, this was the narrative that informed their beliefs, their assumptions, and their choices. Very, very important. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God and presents a narrative that informs our assumptions, our beliefs, our assumptions, and our choices. Amen? Amen. So we learn, we lead, we, we grow. And we're being given four stewardship responsibilities. Number one, and remember, we're stewards of everything but possessors of nothing. Because essentially, you don't take it with you. So figure, as long as you have what you have, whatever it may be, you have it for your lifetime, right? And some things don't even last that long that you have. When you die, you don't take it with you. So at the end of the story, at the end of your story, you were never a possessor of anything. You were simply a manager. You were simply a steward. The earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof. The world. And they that dwell therein. So it all belongs to God. The Apostle Paul said it so beautifully. He said, everything that you've received, all right, was given to you. So don't think for one minute that you essentially own anything. We are given stewardship responsibility over everything. And there are four primary stewardship responsibilities that we're given. We're given stewardship over our time. What you do with your time, you can't blame anybody else for. And how many know you can't save time? No, you can only use it. We all get 24 hours. That's it. Done. You can't take today and bank it for tomorrow and then draw from it. That's the case. I'd be saving up a lot so I can live to 150. Well, then again, do I want to live that long? When I read, <laughs> you read about Jesus in John chapter 17 when he was at the end of his mission, he was ready to get out of here. I'm not. But think about where life is and the stewardship responsibility that we have over our time. What you do with your time is on you. And guess what? God's going to judge you. Not judgment in, in, a, in a terrible way, perilous way, but he's going to ask you, what did you do with your time, the time that I gave you? Because it's not how much time you have, it's what you put into the time. It's called quality time. Not the quantity, it's the quality of time. So you're going to be judged. What have you done with your time? And when it comes to time, we suffer two pains. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. How many have ever seen someone suffering from the pain of regret? Yeah, yeah it's emotional, it's mental, it's fatiguing, it's a lot because they regret what they failed to do with the opportunities they had. And when you're young, you think you've got all the time in the world, so you relax. And as you get older, you worry about all the little time you have left. 
So you can become anxious. So the idea is to manage, steward your time well. Take that time. Use time well. Use it wisely. Second stewardship responsibility is over our talents. Every one of us has been given a talent, a gift, an ability, an aptitude. Every one of us. And although God gives you a gift, talent, an ability, and an aptitude, you have the responsibility to develop your skill in the use of it. You can't just hang out on the fact that God gifted you. He could gift you as a musician, gift you as a singer, right? <clears throat> but you have to develop your skill in the use of that instrument, in the use of that musical ability. He could have gifted, could have gifted you with the gift of mercy, all right? You have to determine where to apply that. Is it as a nurse? Is it as a, a, a philanthropist? Is it as a person who is on a mission field, responding to people in need and crisis, whatever? And you have to develop your skill in the application of those gift, talents, and abilities. You can't sit on it and say, well, God, you didn't do anything with it. No, it's on you. All right? God comes back, he's going to say, how did you do. And he's going to either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or the opposite of that is remove him. Remove him. So, stewardship over our what? Time, talent, and our treasury. Our treasury. Whatever valuable things God puts in your care. Not just money, right? But especially money, especially money. And money gives us two things. What are the two things that money gives us? Don't everybody answer at once. Money gives you options. Options. Money determines what you eat, where you live, what car you drive, what clothes you wear. Money determines a lot in your life. And the more you have access to, guess what? The more options you have. Some people don't have those options. And that's the world in which we live. Not the world that we would like it to be a certain way. No, this is the world in which we live. We have to deal with reality, right? Money gives you options. Determines where you go to school right? Where you work determines the relationships that you have. It determines so much. And that's why it has such a powerful influence on us in a, it, to the degree that th that reality that it gives us options will influence people to get it in the wrong way, right? And then they violate other principles that undermine their success. So even when they get the money, they don't get to enjoy it. They don't get to enjoy it. So he's given us stewardship responsibility over finances, over money, over our treasury. All right? And some people think more money, more money is the answer. I mean, no people like that. People who mismanage think more money is the answer. And if you give more money to a person who doesn't manage their money well, all you're doing is giving them more money to mess up. Sorry, Biggie Smalls is in my ear. More money, more problems. Get out of there, Biggie. 
So, the answer is not always more, more money, is it? Turn your neighbor and say, he's talking about somebody you know. So stewardship responsibility over our what? Come on, talk back to me. Our time, our talent, our treasury, and our relationships. And our relationships. Guess what? Every relationship in your life is a stewardship responsibility. You don't possess your spouse. You're a steward over your spouse. You don't possess your children. You're a steward over your children. And you'll be judged by your stewardship responsibility. How you treat those relationships. Co-workers, neighbors, every relationship title you can think of. We are stewards over those relationships. Which means we are stewards over the spaces in our lives that we allow people into. I'm going to try that one more time. This is, this is what I call good preaching. We are stewards over the spaces in our lives that people occupy. We're responsible for who occupies what space in our lives. Amen? So in order to learn, grow, and lead, we have to be clear on what our responsibilities are. In order to learn, grow, and lead, we have to be clear on what our responsibilities are. And our responsibilities are stewardship over what? Our time, our talent, our treasury, and our relationships. Absolutely. And how many you know you can manage your money sometimes better than you can manage your relationships? Yeah. You say, Pastor, money doesn't talk back to it. Well, it does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I remember how many times money told me this is all we got. Did money ever talk to you like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been in places where money said to me, look, <laughs> we got more months left over, but we're out. Money talks to you. Relationships, stewardship responsibility. So if you see yourself as a steward of everything, you'll treat it differently. You'll treat it differently, especially in a world where the younger generation, all right, uh, and this is reality, not judgment. This is evaluation and observation. The younger generation now is dealing with this thing where they have a sense of entitlement, yes. as though the world owes them something. Uh-uh. Yes. Tell them your pastor told you, uh-uh. <laughs> the world owes you nothing. Right. Life owes you nothing. Life offers you opportunities. Now, let me finish something out because I said money gives you two things. I said options, and the second thing, the power to help others. The power to help others. The power to help others. And how many of you wish you had money to help someone in a situation and you just didn't have the money? Money gives you options. Money gives you the power to help others. So those are our responsibilities. So in order to learn, grow, and lead, we need to know what our responsibilities are. Now you know, right? We also need to know the playing field. You need to know the playing field. And each game has a different playing field. There's a different playing field for baseball than it is for football, than it is for soccer, right? 
but you need to know the playing field. And the playing field, as metaphor for life, is the conditions and the rules. The conditions and the rules. So let's, are you getting anything out of this? Yeah, I want you to be successful in life. How many know God wants you to be successful in life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, people blame their failures on God. You know, it's amazing. God will give you, look, God gives you a body, right? You're born with a body, let's say it's healthy and, 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 and normal. And, and people will get mad at God when they do things to sabotage the body that he gave them. Anytime you sabotage what God has given you, don't blame God. I know I'm talking to somebody out there. Don't blame God. Take responsibility. Because maturity doesn't come with age. It begins with the acceptance of responsibility. And some people just refuse to grow up. So we've been called by God to what? I told you you're going to be tested, didn't I? I told you it was on the test. Let's try again. All right. Balcony, are you with me? All right. So we've been called by God to what? Yeah. And we spend our whole lives learning. In elementary school, middle school, high school, college, we don't stop learning. We don't stop learning. If you stop learning, you stop growing. When you stop learning, you stop growing. And let me just tell you about some, uh, how God deals with learning, and this is how our educational system should do it. The moment someone gives you the answer, you stop learning. The moment someone gives you the answer, you stop learning. So true learning is not by giving you the answer. True learning is leading you in the discovery of the answer. Because what you discover you, stays with you for the rest of your life. Come on. Because you went through a process to get there. And the process affects you differently than when someone just hands you something. True learning comes through discovery. So the two words when it comes to learn, and God has called us to do what? Learn two things, two words, very important words. This board's a little better than mine in Brooklyn. How do we learn? How do we learn? How do we learn? And we learn so we can. Now you're mechanical. <laughs> I'm going to erase that. We learn so we can. We grow so we can. Okay, good. See, now it's a tool. All right? If you're just regurgitating it, that's, that's not a tool. All right? You're just giving me what you were able to memorize. No! It's got to be a tool. And it's a tool means you could take it apart, switch it around, move it around, and still use it because it's yours, right? Amen. God has called us to three things, right? What? Learn, grow, right. And you learn so you can? Grow. And you grow so you can? Be. Now you got it. Now you're getting it. You can use it. All right? My job is to equip you, to equip the saints, right? 
to feed you with wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that you don't have to be fearful or afraid or anxious. You know how to navigate life. Knowledge translates into authority. Knowledge translates into authority. The more knowledgeable you are about any subject matter, you can speak about it with authority. The less you know about it, the more uncertain you are in your communication, and it's obvious. And people know when you don't know what you're talking about. Come on, isn't it true? People know when you don't know what you're talking about. And people know, admire, and respect you when you know what you're talking about. So we learn, we grow. Let me see how much time I got left. Oh, good. I like that clock. I'm going to take that clock to Brooklyn. The one in Brooklyn seems to run fast. So how do we learn? How do we learn? By study and reflection. What does it mean to study? That's a good question. It means careful examination and analysis. Careful, the operative word. Because when you read something casually, right? When you read something without being careful, which means giving it attention, right? You don't retain it the same way. When, I, when I'm reading something for fun, I read through it once. But when I'm studying, I read it three times. The first time is to familiarize myself with the information. The second time is to understand it. Because you don't understand everything right away. And the third time is to make it my own. You try that one more time. First time I read it is to what? Familiarize myself with the information. Second time I read it, to understand it. I want to get understanding. Third time I read it, make it my own. To own it. To own it. Because when you own it, all right, it has a greater impact on your life. Much more powerful. So study careful examination and analysis. Reflection. That means, in, in, in the Old Testament term, meditate. Let me give you some passages of Scripture. All right, because if I don't give you a verse, I'm going to say, hey, I haven't preached. So let's go to... And reflection is simply to meditate, to reflect. You know when you reflect, you just keep repeating it over and over, thinking about it. Consider is the, is the real operative word. That's the powerful word, consider. That's reflection. All right, let's go to, and, all right, you, well, you know what? Let me set this up. So we learn through study and reflection. The question is, what should we study? Right? That's, that's a question that's going here. What should we study? So, Joshua chapter 1. Let's go to Joshua. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Joshua chapter 1. 
And let's go down to verse 8. How many got up to the book of Joshua? How many got that far in your Bible reading? Someone's still at Genesis. <laughs> Listen, you read the Bible to become familiar with the stories so that when it's preached, all right, the preaching gives new light, insight to what you already know. The Bible says, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Some of us don't give him anything to remember, to bring to our remembrance, which means you've got to study. The implication there is you've got to put things into you for the Holy Spirit to bring back to you, to give understanding. So Joshua is about to take over from Moses. How many know those are big shoes to fill? Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if you've ever led a million people out of Egypt. All right, the entire workforce. He was taking, all right, we'll, we'll, that's another conversation. All right, notice verse 8 in the New Living Translation. What's that operative word? Study this book of instruction continually. King James language, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make the way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. But this is the New Living Translation, so let's read it here. Study this book of instruction. How often? Continually. What's the book of instruction? The law of Moses, the word of God, the law of Moses, right? Meditate, which means consider it. What? Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to what? Obey, Obey everything in it. Only then will you what? Prosper. What's the objective? Your prosperity. And succeed in all you do. What's the objective? Your success. So the study and reflection has an objective. What's the objective? Your prosperity. Your success. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health. He wants you to be successful, right? But he wants that prosperity and success to be influenced, shaped, guided by a narrative. And that narrative informing your beliefs, your assumptions, and your choices. Those are the guidelines for our success. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you where, wherever you go. It takes courage, not just to study it, but to apply it. That's where courage comes in, because you've got to believe that it works. You will not use something if you don't believe it works. And this world is trying to convince you that God's way of doing and being doesn't work. They'll tell you in a minute, out here in the world, no, it's a different game, you can't, you can't be successful thinking that way. you got to think this way. So what do they try to do? Alter your way of thinking. They try to hand you a different narrative to inform your beliefs, your assumptions, and your choices. That's what they're trying to do every day, and it's flashing at you again and again. The, 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 the experts studied, and they said that every day through television, billboards, commercials, uh, social media, all the devices, communication. We are exposed to 74 gigabyte of information on a daily basis without trying. 
This is just our daily routine. We're exposed to 74 gigabyte of information. You know how much information that is that we're exposed to? And it's all screaming at us, trying to influence us in some way, influence our beliefs, influence our assumptions, and influence our choices. That's real. So if you don't have a guide to help you filter all of that stuff that's coming at you, guess what? You can be confused or land on the wrong narrative. And whatever narrative you choose, that's going to determine the results that you get. So study and what? But what is he studying? The Word of God. The Word of God. So go back to what do we study? Two things we study and reflect on. Number one, divine revelation. This is scripture. That's Old Testament. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Second Timothy 2, 15. Are you there? Now, here in the New Living Translation, it says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly, come on, correctly explains the word of truth. What's the word of truth that he's speaking of? The scripture, the Bible. I love the King James language on this. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, if it's telling you to rightly divide the scripture, it means you can wrongly divide it. And the word divide means to break it down, to understand it. You can understand it wrongly. And that's why people can take the Bible and abuse it, misuse it, misapply it. And it can result in oppression, enslavement, abuse, exploitation, using the Bible. That's why the scripture says, study it so that you rightly divide it, that you apply it correctly because it can be misused and abused. And how many know it has been? It has been and created dire situations in human society. So work hard. So what are you studying, number one? Ooh, this is great. I love this clock. Second thing, so study and reflection on Scripture, which is what? Divine revelation. What is Scripture? Divine revelation, which means it comes from where? God. We believe it's divinely inspired. God inspired the writers. So study and reflection. So learning comes from study and reflection on what? Number one? divine revelation. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Are you ready? Romans 1, 20. Let me see. Boy, everybody, everybody's got new technology. That's cool. And if you got old technology, it's okay. If you have a, a paper Bible, 
That's okay. I don't know if I ever shared with you, but I criticized it once in Brooklyn while I was preaching, and I was teasing the people who have old technology, and my iPad crashed. <laughs> so I don't criticize anymore. I don't know if that was a sign. I didn't hear any angels sing. There was no, oh, no, none of that. So, but it happened, so I'm chill. You could, all you want. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible what? Qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Wow. Wow. What's that telling us? It's telling us that a study and reflection on the natural order leads us to the conclusion there's a God. That's why Psalm says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because you cannot examine created order. You cannot ex examine the natural order. Study and reflect on the natural order of things and say that this is all an accident. There's no way. No way. You've got to intentionally reject God to come to the conclusion that this, isn't, this just happened. All right? This just didn't happen. How do, so what are we reflecting on there? This is called natural revelation. The natural order. Jesus said, oh man, let's go to it. This is good. Let's go to, hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good too. That's not good. So I'm going to tell it to you. How many have read in Matthew where Jesus said, consider the lilies of the field, how beautiful they are arrayed and clothed. He said, consider the raven, consider the fowl of the air. How about Proverbs when he said, consider the ant and what it does. What is he pointing to? The natural order of things. He's pointing to the natural order of things. And that's why, that's why the Apostle Paul says, when you, when you study and reflect on the natural order, the seasons, right, the, that we can count on winter and summer and spring and fall, right? We know that weather patterns are going to come. There's going to be a, a day and night is going to come. These are all things that are, are in order. When we study and observe and reflect on those things, what? We learn. The Apostle Paul said something so powerfully in Romans chapter 7, uh, verse 20. He said, when I would do good, evil is present. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the, the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Did anybody relate to that? Yes. That you fight, you struggle within to do the right thing? Amen. And why is there this force working against you? What has, what, how did Paul come to that conclusion? By studying, by observing, by reflecting on humanity. So we learn, grow, and lead through what? And what do we study and reflect on? And 
Natural revelation is what's revealed to us through the universe in which we live. So whether it's astronomy or sociology or, or, or <laughs> look, could be botany, could be any science that studies and observes, whether it's human beings, whether it's, it's, it's um, weather phenomena, whether it's, it's, it's physics, no matter what it is, that is all included in what? The natural order. And we learn from it, right? How many have ever flown on an airplane? All right, you know why you could do that? Because we studied the law of lift. And we learned how to use it to put a plane in the air and keep it in the air. We study laws of physics. How many are familiar with gravity? Yeah, anybody not raise their hand? I'm just, yeah, let me take you to a roof and give a little shot. Right? So how do we learn, grow, and lead? How do we learn? What do we study? Divine revelation comes to us through the scripture. And see, that gives us insight into the natural order. It gives us insight. It tells us. Why? Because Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the things that are seen were made by things that are not seen. So as we study the unseen, we learn more about what is seen. As we study the seen, we learn more about what is not seen. That's why the Apostle Paul said, they're without excuse. Because the invisible things of God can be clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So when we study creation, we should discover God. When we study God, well, study his revelation. How do you study God, right? When you study revelation, guess what? We understand more about nature. So when, when we read about the fall, Adam and Eve sinned, it affected them in a way that it was passed on. The effects were passed on, right? We're in the realm of divine revelation, but it's helping us understand what goes on in the natural world. Why do people do bad things? Why is there, is there this universal inclination toward evil? Well, when we go back to the story of Adam and Eve, we find out that God gave us a simple narrative, a simple story. There were two people. Everything was fine. God gave them everything that they need, right? But they wanted more than what God gave them and violated the rules that govern the situation. And what happened? It changed them. It altered them in their nature, in their thinking. We're not being punished for the personal choice they made, but we are experiencing the condition created by that personal choice. So death passed on. So that helps us understand why things are the way they are in this world. We go back to the narrative that was revealed. You see how these two work together? And as this shapes you, it shapes the way you live. It shapes the choices that you make. It shapes what you believe about yourself, about life in general. God is for you. He's not against you. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be successful. And he's trying to say, here, this is how you do it. 
Amen? This is how you achieve it. I want you to do great. Be fruitful, multiply. Have dominion. Is that what he said? And guess what that means? Guess what that all means? Learn, grow, lead. Dominion is not about domination. It's about leadership. Taking leadership responsibility. Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. What does that mean? Learn, grow, lead. Be fruitful, multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28. Made man in his own image and likeness and said, what? Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. What does it translate to? Learn, grow, lead. From the very beginning, God wants us to what? Learn, grow, lead. Lead our families, lead our communities, lead our nation, lead our society, lead our school, lead uh, hospitals, lead Wherever leadership takes you, whatever leadership you qualify for, he wants you to prosper, be in health, learn, grow, and lead. Did you learn today? Did you grow today? Absolutely. Whenever you learn, you what? Whenever you learn, you what? Now, are you empowered to lead today? Absolutely. All in 35 minutes. Come back next week. We'll do it some more. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Your prophetic word says that you'll give us shepherds after your own heart who will feed the people with knowledge and understanding so that they won't be afraid, they won't be lacking or dismayed by the challenges of life. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for a spiritual family and community where we can learn together, grow together, and lead together. I pray that this word has found a home in the heart and mind of every hearer today. And that you, Holy Spirit, will take it and translate it into their personal life, their personal context and situation, so that they may prosper, they may succeed, they may be in good health, that they may learn, grow, and lead. We ask you, and we thank you in advance. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Come on, let's all stand. And here's where I turn it over to those who are more familiar with the exit procedure. <laughs> Minister Aaron. <laughs> Love you. God bless you. It's been wonderful being with you this morning. grow today. Yes. Are you ready to leave? Yes. Amen. Amen. Good to see you. If you can just close your eyes and just meditate on what the Lord has just put in your spirit and the words that you've heard. And just continue to give thanks. Give thanks to God for the seed that's been planted 
And the simple fact that God knew you would be where you are in your life at this moment. Start to ask God, what would he have for you to do? Thank him for the word that he continues to grow in your life. Let's praise him. Go ahead. I want to hear you. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Give thanks. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for considering us for such a time as this. There may be some of us in here who have shied away from the opportunity to take leadership roles. And it could be because we, sometimes we just don't know what should we do or how do we go about it. Ask God what would he have for you to do. Take those bold steps that you need to take. Take them at his word. Father, today, we surrender our all to you. We thank you for continuing to give us your word that heals us from the dis-ease, the discomfort that tries to take us away from your purpose, your will, your plan. Today, Lord, we will magnify you. We will continue to put you first and acknowledge your will being done in and through us. Today, Lord God, we surrender our all and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Did somebody receive a word today? Are you excited? Are you excited about what God has for you to do today? Are you? Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. Raise your Bibles. We're going to say something as we always say before we leave. This Bible is our primary source of faith. This Bible is the rule of our conduct. This Bible creates the lens that we see life through. So as we leave this place, but never God's presence, we say, Jesus is Lord, period. We believe it, we proclaim it, and we're seeing it come to pass. Thanks for tuning in to the A.R. Bernard Podcast. I hope you were enriched by the information and or the conversation. Make sure subscribe by clicking the link in the bio to gain more information about me and the work that I'm doing. Again, thank you and God bless. Thank you.